Hi, I'm Gilbert Gottfried, and this is Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Colossal Show with my co-host, Frank Santo Padre. And this is our annual In Memoriam episode. As always, we're looking back and paying tribute to some of the famous names, former guests, and friends we lost in 2021, as well as a few who left us early in 2022. Joining us once again to help us remember these greats is our six-time podcast guest, the Oscar-nominated screenwriter of popular films like The Disaster Artist, The Fault in Our Stars, and 500 Days of Summer, our pal Michael Weber. Thanks, Gil. Hey, Frank. here. Thanks, guys. It's good to see you again. Mickey Whitley, Gil. At the Academy Awards, you... um, you wore uh, one of our pins. <laughs> I, I wore an orange wedge pin on the red carpet. Uh, and uh, I believe I'm the only guest in the show's history to do that. I'm, I'm very proud. My, my family is proud. Everybody who, who knows what that pin is about is very proud of me. And, and had you won, you could have tearfully held up the award and screamed out, this is for you, Caesar. <laughs> Next time I'm nominated. Now you have something to root for. Okay. I think I think if you also if you're ever nominated for a Caesar, uh, obviously, yeah. <laughs> uh, obviously the the pin would be appropriate. Uh, so so Mickey Wiggly, the artist formerly known as Mickey Wiggly, has returned, as he does every year, very generously. And thank you, Mike, for making yourself available. We know how busy you are. Thanks uh, for having me back. Of course, you're you're rivaling your your hat on Mario's heels. I think he's a I think he's an eight time guest. You know, nine, Mario nine sings. I can't I can't hold a candle to that. We're gonna make you do a little <laughs> Carol Channing. Tell us uh, quickly before we get to these uh, these wonderful uh, names and these wonderful people who left us. Uh, you yourself had a blessed event recently. I did. Uh, my son was born uh, in August, uh, my first child, uh, and um, my wife and I. Uh, it's been a blast. We, we're we're just uh, we love the little guy. It's been it's been crazy. So you're Mazel. catching me this year. Thank you, thank you. I have Mazel. definitely have baby brain this year. So I'm excited. What is his name? His name is Ernie, uh, named after my grandfather. Oh, I was going to uh, say who not would have been a hundred. Yeah, what? <laughs> not, not named after er, Ernest Thessinger. No, or, no. Or, or Ernest T. Bass. <laughs> you could have also named him Colin Clive. <laughs> I named wanted to do Miggly Wiggly the second, but, but my wife vetoed that. Ernie so. is named after your grandfather. Yes, who would have been 100 last year. Congratulations to you and Thank Ellie. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, and and briefly, any projects you can you can talk about upcoming things? You don't have to go into too much detail, but can you tease us? Yeah, there's a few things going on right now. We have a movie coming out. Uh, I, I'm not sure when, but it will be uh, later this year on Hulu. I say we, my my friend and writing partner Scott Newstadter and I wrote a movie called Rosalind, and it's. Um, it's a retelling of Romeo and Juliet from the point of view of uh, Romeo's ex, the girl before Juliet. Wow. And uh, it, it's our attempt at doing sort of a uh, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead of the uh, Romeo and Juliet story. And um, we have uh, Caitlin Deaver playing uh, Rosalind and uh, Bradley Whitford's in it and a bunch of other cool people. And wow. that will be on that will be on Hulu, hopefully uh, maybe this summer. We'll see. And, and there's a million other projects that you're floating around, as, as you always are, whenever we talk and catch up. Yeah, you, we got a few can, other things, fun things to, going on. So. To, what, how's that Tango and Cash remake starring Gilbert and Richard Kine coming along? <laughs> <laughs> this, this is going to shock you guys. We're really having trouble with the financing. It's really just... It sh no one wants to cut a check for this. Well, well Richard is talking to George Clooney, who, who as we know, he's good friends with. <laughs> we love Richard. We just did our 400th episode, and we I called Richard to try to get him, and he was uh, he was uh, he was playing golf in Hawaii. Wait, he wasn't so, on an airplane. No, he wasn't on, was an on an airplane, airplane this, time? this time. You really oh, can't blame him for opting for Hawaii over our uh, our yeah. 400th episode. Where where would you like to begin here, uh, gentlemen? As we uh, and and uh, Michael, as always, has has done some research and helped. 
Um, there's so, so many names here, so much ground to cover, uh, which I appreciate. Gilbert, how about we start with somebody who comes up a lot on the, on this podcast and somebody that you knew personally and I think dined with recently. Yeah. And, we'll, and we'll bounce around, uh, as we always do. Uh, the late, great Jackie Mason. The man, yes. who, the man you loused. <laughs> that, that Gilbert Gottfried, he loused me. He went there. I, I never was so angry in my life that he loves me like that. Now, I, Jackie Mason comes into a story I had that's one of the few things in my life where I say, you know, I'm proud of that. Can't wait. And, and uh, he, I saw he was playing at Dangerfields, which has since closed. Yeah. And, um, I, I knew my mother uh, always was a big fan of Jackie Mason. And so I, I bought tickets. Thank you, uh, Rodney. <laughs> I bought tickets. <laughs> and, and we went there together, took the Second Avenue or the First Avenue bus, like it really matters, up there to 70-something Street. And I just remember looking over at my mother. She had a napkin uh, wiping the tears from her eyes from laughing. Wow. And, wow. and yeah, and I think that's one of those few moments where I go, okay, that's one time I did something good. That's amazing. And you had, so wait, two things. You also dined with him not long ago. Uh, yes. Set yes. up by, by Rabbi Mike. Not Rabbi not, Mike not set Rabbi it up. David. Yeah. Uh, where we went to a delicatessen in Brooklyn, and I was sitting uh, with Jackie Mason eating deli food. Doesn't, so he got, get, <laughs> doesn't get more Jewy than that. So he got over. He got over the lousing. It's, yes. It's, yeah. It's, do you do you know what that incident was? The original incident. I have no idea. I was probably doing an imitation of him on Howard Stern and saying something. <laughs> I see. Crazy. I see. Oh, and I heard two stories from his wife that one time he went down to a hotel lobby and it was filled. There were a mob of Arabs in white sheets and the white headdresses and they turned around and saw him and screamed out, it's Jackie Mason. And they all <laughs> ran over and wanted their picture taken with him. And another one, <laughs> a, a guy called, got in touch with Jackie Mason and he said, I don't tell anyone uh, that I'm such a big fan of yours because I belong to the Ku Klux Klan. Oh, Jesus. And even, <laughs> and so he was embarrassed to be a fan of this Jew. And, uh, but then I heard later on he resigned from the Klan. There you go. <laughs> I had no idea there were all of these untapped Jackie Mason stories. Yes, we and, and we were we were going after him, but we, uh, we you were. Know, unfortunately. Ninety three. Jackie hung on for a long time, and of course we we've told the Sullivan story, the the infamous oh, Sullivan yes. story with the finger, a finger for you and a finger for you. Uh, and John Biner, who was apparently an eyewitness to that story, also yeah. told it on this podcast and has you, been. Re you fucking bastard. You're coming on my shoe. Oh, wait, we've got fucking nuns and Boy Scouts watching us, too. <laughs> That's what Biner claimed, he said, through a closed door. Uh, the, guy, the, the guy did a little bit of everything. A, a former rabbi, as has been widely reported. Uh, that, that, that Sullivan story hurt his career for years, but he had, a, he had a lot of lives, Jackie Mason. He had a lot of lives in the business. Conquered Broadway eventually, many times. He won I loved Emmy. him in The Jerk. Uh, the Jerk, yeah. He's so good he, in The hysterical. Jerk. Yeah, he won an Emmy for that uh, for playing Krusty the Clown's father on The Simpsons. Right. Rabbi Krustovsky. Um And uh, Caddyshack 2, of course, Gilbert. Oh, yes. <laughs> isn't, he, uh, isn't he tortured in The History of the World Part 1? I think so. I think oh, so. yes. I think, <laughs> During I, the Inquisition. Yes, yes. <laughs> I think so. Uh, I mean, he conquered Broadway and Vegas and Catskills. He had a little bit of a movie career. He had a TV career. Not a long TV career with, well, the infamous Chicken Soup. 
Uh, remember that one, Gil? Oh, yeah. Did you know, you sometimes find fun trivia when you go digging. Did you know that he starred and produced in a Broadway play called A Teaspoon Every Four Hours about a Jewish man who's a widower who falls in love with a black woman and it closed in one night? <laughs> what year? Uh, I'm going to say it was in the 70s, late oh, 60s, late, late 60s, early 70s. If they gave it two nights, it would have found an audience. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move to somebody, and we'll come back to some funny people who were... Uh, who sadly left us uh, recently. But let's go to, uh, and yes, Jackie would have been great on this show. We could just never make it happen for whatever reason. Here, here are a couple of really funny people. Uh, and Mike, I think you have something on these two wonderful, wonderful actors, uh, George Siegel and Charles mm. Grodin. Yeah, yeah. And two big losses for this show, people we chased forever. Oh, yes. we uh, Both of them were like the white whales. Mm. I mean, they we, were. I, they, they, both of them were terrific and in the business so long, yeah, and uh, and kept working till the very last second. Yeah, yeah. Both I, of them. I, I feel like as a as a super fan of the show, there's probably no movie that's been mentioned more times than Bye Bye Braverman in the history yes. of this podcast. <laughs> yeah. <And Yes>. <laughs> Yes. That's a favorite of mine. Yeah. That's fair to say. <laughs> but like, Where's Papa comes up a lot, and oh, the Hot God. Rock comes up a lot. So and, I, and No Way to Treat a Lady. We love that one with Steiger. Yeah. I have a poster for Loving in my office. So oh, Ir I, Irvin Kershner. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Irvin Kershner movie. Yeah. George was uh, was born in New York City and raised in Great Neck, uh, the same yep. as yours truly. Oh, look at that. Yeah. Oh. Very yeah. nice. Yeah. Well, I got and a lot I, of New Yorkers on this list tonight. I know. And I heard that uh, George Siegel, they asked him about doing interviews, and he said he hated it. He hated going on like the Tonight Show and all that. And they said to him, but you're always taking out the ukulele and playing it and singing, and you look like you're having a great time. And George Siegel said, well, I'm an actor. I go on and I play the part of a guy having a great time. And he was very convincing at it. Let wow. me make. Let me mention some other pictures. The Duchess and the Dirtwater Fox. If people haven't seen that, a less a lesser known comedy score by Charlie Fox. Mm. Our, our ah. guest. Bloom in Love. Uh, that the Hot Rock you mentioned. California Split. Awesome. Really good picture. A Touch of Class with Glenda Jackson, which I think she won an Oscar for. Fun with Dick and Jane. The original. Uh, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? You mentioned Where's Papa? The Owl and the Pussycat. No way to treat a lady. Could go on and on. Terrific and flirting with disaster. Um, David Russell's film in, in a small role. A small role. You know, we I tried. read somewhere he was uh, he was cast as the lead in Ten. That is correct. And then something like uh, within a week of the of the start of shooting, he dropped out. And, yes. And, yeah, and they cast Dudley Moore. Clashed. Yeah, he clashed mm. with Blake Edwards, uh, which is too bad. And the Blackbird, Gilbert. Oh, my God, yeah, as yes. Sam Spade's son. Yes, and also <laughs> he was making comedies in those days like The Blackbird and uh, who was killing the great chefs of Europe. Oh, with Jacqueline <laughs> Bissett. Yes, yes, and uh, I'll tell you, the guy did everything. We, we adored him. We tried to get him. Richard Kind specifically, and I think we've told this story on the show, yeah. Richard was the, was, was the one who said to, to, to George, you don't understand, it's a 90-minute blowjob. <laughs> <laughs> we tried so hard. He was at the top of our want list, and then, and then, mere months ago, Richard Benjamin was back here, and he because he was in a film with uh, George called "Last Married Couple in America." And Richard says, "Oh, why didn't you tell me? I, I, I would have just thrown him in the car and drove him over." <laughs> it was like a dagger, and a little bit about Grodin. Um, uh, uh, a guy I got to work with uh, once who was, uh, that was a pleasure for me. Uh, Siegel was 87, Grodin was 86. I guess he'd been sick a while too. We had Alan Zweibel working on that. The master of droll and deadpan. Yes. Mm. I I always, a funny movie, uh, real life. Great one. Albert Brooks. Mm. And uh, there's one part, he's like, he's operating on a horse and they give the horse a certain amount of tranquilizer, and he freezes. And uh, and Broden goes, "Oh, oh no, no, that's that's too much." 
That's <laughs> such wonderful deadpan. He always was. So what a body of work, too. Heaven Can Wait, and you mentioned real life, and The Heartbreak Kid, Drew's, Drew's Daddy's, uh, Bruce J. Friedman's uh, story, which is tur- the movie's turning 50 this year. Wow. Uh, we, we, Gilbert and I even liked him in King Kong, where he's hammy as hell and chewing the scenery for two yes. hours. <laughs> the Dino De Laurentiis version of King Kong. Wanna, uh, uh, and what about Midnight Run with your old boss? Yeah, oh. I mean, Midnight Run is uh, is just... Perfect. He's so good in that. His that the banter he and Bob have together is just it. It's it's amazing. That movie still holds up. It's so well done. Did you ever have sex with an animal, Jack? You know, between <laughs> us. <laughs> By the way, I I love him in Clifford, a Clifford, movie that sure. you know was was sure. was so maligned when it came out. And and uh, if listeners of the podcast want to want to hunt this down, New York Magazine Vulture. The, er, w- earlier this year, put out an oral history of Clifford, and it is so amazing to hear how that movie came to be. It's it's, and there are um, they have videos of of Grodin's audition with uh, with Martin Short, and it's oh wow, it's amazing. Oh, the stories from that set. If we ever get uh, Marty here, uh, by the way, Gilbert, you mentioned talk show guests, a, a, a masterful talk show guest. Yes. And, yeah. and uh, you know, he turned that into an art form with Carson and then Letterman later. Yeah, because he was like their, you know, the curmudgeon who yeah. came on. Yeah. He was angry about stuff. <laughs> he was something that was always bugging him. We got to clear something up. You see, and you're starting again tonight. Every time, every time you're on the show, we, uh, gets, we get mail. I don't say tons of mail. You use eyeliner what, and all. What? Only when I tried to get out of the service, you know, but that... Uh, a lot of people, when you're on the show, they write me and they call and they say, what, why, does, what, why does Charles Grodin treat you so shabbily? Doesn't he like you? What, what is it? I mean, you, have any, you want to address that or speak to that question? I don't know what to do uh, when I'm out here because most of the reasons people come on a talk show, I can't really do that. I can't come out and... and uh, why do people come on a talk show, in your opinion? You're Mr. Talk Show. To plug uh, this book, to plug this movie. Okay, and if I would do that... And if I would do what that, else are you here for? If I, that's what I'm asking. If that's I would nice. do that, your attitude would be disdain. You know, when I tried to talk about my book in the hardcover, mm-hmm. you said, uh, 1895, you know, that's a lot of money for a book. And I thought I said, it was. it's my whole life. I thought it was. And uh, you said, uh, you know, maybe if it's Mother Teresa's life, you know. You remember those things, don't you? Yes, I do. You, I didn't know you were that sensitive. You actually remember that. I'm, I'm so sensitive, I really can't answer a question from someone who's not interested in the question. I'm very interested in the question. <laughs> now, what? What? It's all right. It's okay. I'm used to it. Now, what, what, is the, uh, what does the paperback go for? This is uh, 995. Well, now we're talking. <laughs> and when he hosted SNL, and it was the first thing I watched when he passed, and, and I went back and watched it, and he hosted it. You, you, you know this, Mike? He played it as if he was completely clueless and incompetent. He, he missed rehearsal because he was he was out buying personalized gifts for everybody, and he didn't he didn't know he would wander through each sketch not knowing what was going on and get the other actors <laughs> mad at him, and it was of course another Grodin put on. That's amazing. But he never did the show again, which creates this mystery of of was it a put on or were they really pissed off at him? I I, I prefer to uh, believe it's almost played Benjamin Braddock, by the way. Right, in the, right. In the graduate, and I will direct our listeners to if you can find it, it's online. The Paul Simon. Let me get this title right. The Paul, the Paul Bridge over Troubled Water Simon Special, <laughs> which he co-wrote and directed uh, uh, with Paul Simon, and it's absolutely brilliant. Uh, in fact, I saw him introduce it at Paley Center. And he wrote a book called "It Would Be So Nice If You Weren't Here." It's a great book. Yeah, it's and, a great and memoir. He, he said. <laughs> The book, he was talking to some woman, like, I don't know, at an airport or hotel behind the desk, and she just looks at him and said, it would be so nice if you weren't here. (laughs) (laughs) So he used that for the book title. People, uh, people, our our listeners are always asking us for recommendations for books and, and celebrity memoirs. That is a great one. 
Let us talk about and boy, uh, boy a, a loss for this show not not getting them. And as mm. long as we're talking about great actors, and I'm segueing around here, we don't have no rhyme or reason as we approach these. We don't really put them in in uh, into uh, specific categories. Let's mention three legendary actors, and I think Mike, you did a little a little digging on these three people, uh, starting with the great Hal Holbrook, who was 95. Wow! wow. Oh my God! And played Lincoln, I believe, starting in 1954, and played him to the end. Uh, excuse me, uh, Mark Twain. Mark Twain, yeah. Mark Twain. Right, yeah. Oh, he also, right. he also, yeah, my misspoke. He also played Lincoln in a, in a, oh, in a NBC miniseries. Uh, I always think it. of him for all the president's men. That's sure, like deep the, the definitive, the definitive role. Um, but yeah, he did great TV work for such a long time. Great TV work and good in films like uh, uh, Magnum Force. Uh, and Wall Street, and uh, Star Chamber, and Mark, uh, Mark he played Mark Twain I, I, thousands and thousands of times. I think he's that, in the Guinness Book of Records. Wow. Yes, I, I always remember hearing, and and Hal Holbrook as Mark Twain, and it, that would be, I, I grew up on it. Uh, I, I know, <laughs> it's like as long as we've been alive, he was yes. playing Mark Twain. <laughs> Yeah, he played. He won a he won an Emmy for playing Lincoln in an NBC miniseries. He also played John Adams. Um, was it the man who comes to mind? I guess him and James Whitmore. When you hear the term mm. "one man show," oh yes, <laughs> those are the two guys you think of. Here are two other legends uh, that we lost. Here's a guy with a seventy year career on stage and screen. The great Christopher Plummer. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, really, one of the great Shakespearean actors of. Of all time, I mean, he he won an Oscar, two Tonys, two Emmys. Gil, you're gonna love this. Obviously, he's most known for playing uh, Captain Von Trapp, sure, yes. in The Sound of Music, uh, and I guess he famously disparaged uh, it for years, calling it The Sound of Mucus. Yes, that was what people say. Yeah, he <laughs> always he always hated it, was embarrassed by it, but he said in his later years that. You know, a lot of it came from him being a spoiled brat, you know. Right, right. He was like a bit of a bad boy when he was younger yeah. and then kind of grew up a little. Um, I, always, I always thought of him as a Brit growing up. And he's Canadian. Yeah, he was born in Toronto and grew up yeah. in Montreal. Yeah. 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 But he had so much success. I but he also was he sort was of like a high too. and low. Sorry, Gil? Oh, I always thought he was English too. And he he replaced... Uh, that was another news story. Oh, Spacey. He replaced Kevin Spacey. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And that Ridley Scott picture. Yeah, so the night before, the night, and he was Oscar nominated for that. That's wow. right. That's right. And the night before uh, I wore my orange wedge pin, <laughs> my <laughs> wife and I went to dinner in our hotel, and at the next table, he was there literally three feet away having dinner, uh, and I was too nervous. I wanted to say something to him, and then I was like, oh, I don't want to. I'm going to piss him off, and he's going to want to punch me in the face. So I said nothing. <laughs> Even though he was 82. <laughs> oh, he, by the way, could totally... He was 82, and I was probably 39, and he I'm sure he could have kicked my ass. I think he was the oldest Oscar winner at 82. Yes, that, yes. That, for, for beginners, which right. is, I think the Mike Mills movie, which, by the way, right, if right. listeners haven't heard, is is outstanding with uh, Ewan McGregor. It's, it's really terrific. I'm writing it down. And, and I heard a story that... He and, uh, uh, jeez. Uh, uh, Julie Andrews. Julie Andrews. <laughs> see, I was going to say he and Julie Newmar. He gives me the J, he gives me the J and I get it. Yes. <laughs> we've been, this is how long we've been working together. Yeah, he and Julie Newmar. Julie <laughs> Newmar. She, he worked with Catwoman. Yeah. He, he, he and yeah. Julie Andrews. Uh when they were doing one of the scenes, I think it was a camera or something. It was a really big camera. And they didn't have, you know, advanced stuff back then. And they would push it. And the story was it would make a large fart sound as it was moving forward. <laughs> and uh, he and Julie Andrews would crack up. They ruined a few takes. <laughs> from this guarding uh, camera. You're, Gil, Gilbert, you, Gilbert, you've got all these great anecdotes tonight. You're, yes. you're like you're shot, out of a, you're shot out of a cannon. 
<laughs> this is great stuff. Plumber, think- Plumber had one of those interesting, like, high and low careers because sure. he could play the, the, the Shakespearean protagonists, but then he would star in, like, uh, uh, the Star Wars ripoff Star Crash. And you're like, what's he doing in that? <laughs> Taking a check so that oh, he could, and, so that he could and, go produce a play in the UK. Did, did you mention already The Silent Partner? Oh, it's a great one. Yes, awesome. with, Elliot, with Gould. Uh, Elliot Gould. That's, That's a, a can- really good one. Canadian picture. He was also, he was a pretty good Star Trek villain in Star Trek VI. He played Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Uh, uh, Chang, I think the name, the, the character's name was, but he was really good. Yeah, P.F. Chang. <laughs> as long as we're he's very good in that film i'm joking also 12 uh, terry gilliam's 12 monkeys and the insider michael the in- that's the what insider. i was about to say when he plays mike wallace in the insider it, it's phenomenal yeah mr cluster said quote the atmosphere is tougher than ever where's the rest where the hell's the rest you cut it you cut the guts out of what I said. It was the time consideration, time? Bullshit! You corporate lackey. Who told you your incompetent little fingers had the requisite skills to edit me? I'm trying to band-aid a situation here, and you're Mike. too dim to... Mike. Mike. Mike? Mike! Try Mr. Wallace. We work in the same corporation doesn't mean we work in the same profession. Now, what, what are you going to do now? You're going to finesse me? Lawyer me some more? I've been in this profession in 50 fucking years. You and the people you work for are destroying the most respected, the highest rated, the most profitable show on this network. Yeah, I love that picture, by the way. And a, and a movie that we have talked about on this podcast, I think we did a mini episode about it. He played Holmes in Murder by Decree. Yes. With, with, uh, with James Mason as Watson. A terrific movie uh, with an all-star cast. And uh, what a career. What yeah. what a what a career! I met him backstage at the View. I I uh, I didn't sh- I didn't chat him up long, but I I wasn't afraid he was going to punch my lights out. <laughs> I, I I was just intimidated. I mean, I I've been doing this a long time in my career, and I still get starstruck. If you're not getting starstruck by standing next to Christopher Plummer, there's something wrong with you. We will return to Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast after this. Here's a name. And another guy that we pursued, and he gave us a rather amusing answer for, <laughs> for not doing the show, which was, eh, I've done a lot of those. <laughs> and that was Norman Lloyd, the legendary oh. Norman Lloyd. God, I, how how old was he? 106, my friend. Oh, jeez. And I heard he was in a movie, uh, well, he was in a Judd Apatow movie. Yeah, he's in uh, Trainwreck with Colin Quinn. Yeah, and, 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 and someone told me it may have been that one or another one when he was like, you know, 200 or whatever. <laughs> and they said he traveled, he'd take the plane by himself Yeah, and travel by himself. That was Judd. Judd told us he was yeah. driving himself to work, to the set. Yeah. He had to be a uh, he had to be a hundred. I don't know if that movie is that movie more than six years old. He he, he had to be yeah. 99, oh, 99 yeah. or, or easily or, or, easily hundred. Colin Quinn was in a couple of scenes with him in that movie. Told us he knew Babe Ruth. Wow. He I saw the the the, the numbers. He worked from nineteen twenty three to two thousand and fifteen. Ah, uh, I know. Jeez. Uh, if you That's... think you've accomplished anything in your life, and I say this not to uh, just us, but everybody listening, if you think oh, I've had a pretty busy life, I've been pretty yeah, prolific, yes. I've been pretty pro- go to Norman Lloyd's Wikipedia page. <laughs> you cannot believe what this guy got done in and one lifetime. Working with Charlie Chaplin and Buster Keaton in the same movie. Yeah, he worked with Charles Lawton and 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 <laughs> Charles Boyer and and Jean Renoir and and Hitchcock. Uh, it's incredible, an incredible career and body of work. I loved he- Saint Elsewhere. Like I, I, I sure. to this day, I still think one of the great TV shows of all time. Just me too, and, me too. And I think we've asked both Ed Begley and Howie when they were here. To tell and both us said, Norm- ah. <laughs> <laughs> tell us Norman Lloyd stories. He worked with Hitchcock and, and Scorsese. I wow. mean, he ran, he ran the gamut. Wow. 
Oh. Uh, he, he says that Hitchcock helped save him from the blacklist, which I found in my uh, mm. my research, which was interesting. Um, did everything. Member of, he also worked with Wells. He was a member of the Mercury Theater. So uh, the guy touched every every part of of, uh, of showbiz. He's also a producer and a director. If you if you Google or you look at his IMDb page, it's quite a rabbit hole. He directed episodes of Columbo. He produced a horror anthology series, Gilbert. He produced Bruce, Bruce J. Friedman's Steam Bath for television, hmm. uh, and died in his sleep at 106. Jeez, which is how we all uh, how we all want to do this. Yeah. Let us, and, and again, leaping around with no rhyme or reason, uh, we're talking about di great directors here. Just mentioned a few. Um, two people we lost, and uh, this is us moving on to podcast guests, one we lost last year and one we lost just recently in recent weeks. <clears throat> Excuse me. And two people that I will confess I am heartbroken over not having back on the show a second time. I think we could have booked these guys twice, uh, if not more, um, just for whatever reason. Um and, and the craziness and the chaos of booking people, sometimes you don't go back through through the uh, through the old roster or through the old archive. Richard mm. Donner, yeah, and and Peter Bogdanovich, and uh, so much to say about these two guys. And I worked with Pete, Peter Bogdanovich, unfortunately, in a terrible movie. <laughs> and uh, oh, that was a terrible film. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's right. Vincent Price said to me when I said I met him on Thick of the Night, he said, oh, that was a terrible show. <laughs> and I remember when they fired him, I heard this story that uh, the uh, I, there's some rule that the new director who takes over has to call the old director and tell him, and Peter Bogdanovich brought up a story of somebody who replaced, like, Howard Hawks or Orson Welles or something. And he said to this director who was replacing him, he said, uh, do you know what his name was? And the guy said, no. And he says, there you go. That's a great story. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What do you have oh. on Peter, Michael? Because there's, there's so much to say. I, I was lucky enough, I went a couple years ago uh, to an event at the Metrograph, the, uh -huh. the theater in New York, which sure. is an incredible place. I think you turned me on to the Metrograph. Yeah, yeah, so they really you. just, just their lineup. And 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 if you don't live in New York, they a lot of their stuff is streaming online, but they, um, they had an event for They All Left, mm -hmm. and Peter was there. And it was supposed to be maybe like a 10 or 15 minute Q&A afterwards. And he must, he, he stayed and told stories for an hour and it was just oh, it, it was just like incredible it. and he said he he start he opened the Q&A by saying um that and he had stayed in the audience to watch the movie and it was the first time he had seen the picture since uh since Dorothy Stratton was killed mm -hmm. um and he was emotional talking about it all the you know decades later and it just what an incredible, uh, I mean, he stayed and then just told these stories and he did all the voices of everyone he was talking great, about. Great impressionist, just, yeah. Oh my God, just incredible. And then you, you know, you, you, you read up on his life and his career and it's sort of like, if he had never made a movie and he made some incredible films, he would have gone down in history just as a film scholar and yes. as a critic. Like yes. it's what he did to preserve film history uh, 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 is is so invaluable and and really a gift and um, just yeah like you said he's someone you guys could have done ten episodes with him. Somebody described him. I'm forgetting now who as the best friend the movies ever had. I think oh, that's, that's a, great. A, a lovely a lovely way to describe him. He was wary of us at first, Gil. I think yes. when he, he was <laughs> he was as in was our, every guest. <laughs> well, there are a lot of them. Yeah, uh, you certainly could say that. He was in the old studio at uh, at Sideshow Network back in the old days, and uh, there's some pictures uh, that our friend Sean Marrick published of, of Peter sitting there. There's a look on his face like, what have I gotten into with these guys? I think it was so gratifying to us 
to realize, uh, at a, to see at the 20 minute mark, you could see it in his facial expression that he knew he was in good hands. He knew he was yes. with two, two guys that were mm. movie buffs and also were so interested in his stories, his impressions of Jimmy Stewart and Walter Brennan and Cary Grant. And he knew everybody. He also knew Chaplin. Uh, I, 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 and, and you know, and Wells, obviously, a, a close friendship, and Ford, and 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 it goes on and on. Have you seen that Dick Cavett episode with him? And have you seen this with him and Capra? And uh, and I think it's John Huston. No, I need you to find see this. It. Wow. You got to you got to see it. Uh, one of our best shows, I think, Gilbert. Yeah, Bogdanovich uh, is one of those. You know, they always talk about like these film school. Uh, filmmakers, like the ones who really studied on film, and they love film. And he was one of those. Like he really, he was a student of film. Yeah. Oh, oh, for sure. Like it. Like Mike said. I mean, if he wasn't, <clears throat> if he wasn't going to be revered as a filmmaker, he'd be revered as a, as a, as a scholar. I misspoke. That Cavett episode, which you can find, is Capra, Peter, Mel Brooks, and Robert Altman. Oh, I gotta watch that. See if you can find that. Uh, I saw someone on I saw someone on Twitter when 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 Peter passed away said, in his honor for for a little while instead of calling them films or movies we should call them pictures. Oh, like he always that? did, which how is nice. That? Yeah, well, let's recommend those books. I mean, Peter Bogdanovich's movie of the week and Who the Devil Made It. What's the other one called? Who the hell's in it? Who um, in it. And then he has his Orson Welles book, which is also yeah, terrific. And the, and the films, Paper Moon and the, and What's Up, Doc. Uh, you know, our pal Scott Alexander's favorite movie, and the, and the Last Picture Show, of course. Mm. Um, and and uh, and and they all la- and Saint Jack, which is wonderful, and they all laughed, which is underrated. Um, e- even the Cat's Meow, which is a lot of fun, if you haven't seen it, and a movie for film buffs. And, and let's give a shout out to Polly Platt too, who deserves a, a lot of the credit for those, for those films, for the for the classic Bogdanovich uh, body of Definitely. work. Definitely a great storyteller. You're right; he probably had had days and days of stories in him, and uh, I'll forever be angry with myself for not asking him back. Uh, here's a, but here's another guy that I mentioned, and a New Yorker from the Bronx, and we've got a lot of New Yorkers on the list: the great Richard Donner. Mm. Well, Gilbert put through his paces on that episode, I must say. <laughs> <laughs> you remember what you asked him about, Gilbert, specifically to the movie, uh, related to the movie The Toy? Oh, I, yes. I think yes. you know. Yeah. Yeah. With yeah. Jackie Gleason and Richard Pryor. Yeah. 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 Terrible movie. Yeah. But. but, and, but. And, and, and Richard Pryor uh, got fucked by Marlon Brando. Well, this is what he asks. This is what he asks Richard. And I wish I had this. You know, obviously the days before Zoom, so we weren't recording video of these episodes. I wish I had Richard's reaction. And 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 yet, you know, a guy with a, a wonderful sense of humor who directed comedies rolled with it. Rolled with it beautifully. <laughs> uh, well, so shout out Superman and the Omen and the Lethal Weapon series and, and Goonies, a terrific little movie he made called Inside Moves, and a TV career that was uh, really something to behold before he even got into features. Uh, Man from Uncle and The Fugitive and Get Smart and, and, and Wild Wild West and that very famous Nightmare at 20,000 Feet, Twilight Zone episode with William oh, Shatner. Oh, right. yes. And, and, and most importantly, he worked with Richard Pryor. And he, and Richard Pryor and Marlon Brando got, got crazed on coke <laughs> and then fucked each other. I'm going to do my Jack Benny now because I haven't done it in a while. Now cut that out. <laughs> no, Norman Steinberg, our friend, yours and mine, uh, Michael. Norman told me that, maybe told us at lunch, that, that they used to have, Richard was among the guys that used to get together at Arts Deli in L.A. Right. And he said, yeah. he said, never was there a mensch, uh, mm. a, 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 a gentleman like this guy, like, like Richard Donner. He was beloved, uh, not a dry eye in the house when he passed. And, and I, of course, I went back, we re-released it over the summer because he passed. And I went back and listened to it. And what does he say at the, in the last three minutes? Sure, I'll come back. 
when I oh, says, Jesus. He was in L.A. He says, I'll come back when I'm back in New York. Uh, so, you know, this is, I always say time is the enemy of this show. Yeah. You know, as well as good taste. But mostly time. You know, um, I think he doesn't get enough credit because right now. He doesn't. Is there, is there anything bigger than, than the, the comic book movies? I mean, they are, they, they're sort of keeping theaters in business. I mean, it's the, they're sort of the only movies that people are going to right now, at least during the pandemic. I mean, they they're just seem unstoppable as like a pop culture force. And yet, I, I think Superman 1 and 2 are the best. Well, his those version movies. of Superman 2. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, right, not, yeah, right. Not the Lester right. version. Yeah, right. yeah. But like but, it, Superman one, especially the first one, is really just uh, uh, um, a masterpiece. I mean, really. Well, you know, he told us that if you want to say that he directed the first great, you know, respectable superhero movie, definitely. But he, but he rescued it from that from from the original script. You know, where they had he told us they had gags. Uh, in the script, where you know uh, uh, Superman's looking for Lex Luthor in a ser- or, or Luthor in a series in a, in a crowd of bald men, and he he turns one around and it's Kojak. It's a Telly Savalas cameo. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, uh, he was he was uh, he wanted to respect the source material, and 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 the character. So he was you know, uh, uh, ironically, he was the hero. Two of that uh, of that production, and then Sh- right, right. Schuler Sh- Sh- grounding it by grounding it, it made it more real. It's, yeah, it's and, uh, and, yeah. and sure, that shows sure. that the filmmakers didn't have enough confidence in it. No, like they that's thought, right. oh, it's gonna look stupid, so we might as well make it stupid beforehand. It was gag after gag, and he said, "Treat it real," and uh, to mm. to to his credit. Um, and and you can since you're talking about superhero movies, I mean the Schuler Donner Company and being behind the X Men, right? Uh, of course, uh, 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 series as well. And as long as we're talking about uh, guests that we lost, uh, here we go, Gilbert. Here's a name: uh, Art Matrano. <laughs> uh, and and for those but, who don't know, he he would do this thing. You could look it up. Yeah, you uh, could find it. He would do a thing just with his hands, like a magician. He'd do the sound. He'd just hum it like that, 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 that. And he would just like put a, two fingers up on one hand, close his hand, then put two fingers on the other, like he switched them. All the dumbest. Oh, he just he'd pull a, he'd like pull a playing card out of his pocket and hold it up for the audience. Yeah, and go, yes. Huh? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> The dumbest, most non-magical <laughs> magic tricks. The amazing Matrano. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like Carl Ballantyne before him, a a uh, a not not quite magical magic act. Um, <laughs> you know, but he was a serious actor who studied with Stella Adler and Cassavetes. <laughs> you know, you find things when you go digging about these people. You find you find surprises and true and truths. And, and also, he had a fascinating uh, story that he was doing work on his house, and he fell off the ladder. Well, that was in 1989, and that changed that that's that changed his life. That's he suffered multiple injuries and became a paraplegic. Excuse Ooh. me, a, quad, a quadriplegic. And it was Joe Bologna, the actor Joe Bologna. You talk about a mitzvah, who worked with him for months, helped him out of depression, and worked with him on writing a one-man show about his tragedy and helped him. And, 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 and he got on stage. I didn't see the show. But at one point during the show, he gets out of the wheelchair and walks for a couple of, for a couple of seconds, which was obviously a, yeah. a, 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 a major turning point for him. Uh, doing that digging, I found out that Bologna had done this for him. Mm. You know, which I think flew under the radar. I I, I certainly didn't know about it. That was a turning point. Um, um, well, obviously, uh, a tragedy that befell him. He continued to work, not as much. Um, he was a writer, Gilbert, uh, on that Loman and Barkley show out of L.A. that we talked about, that Barry Levinson was on, and John Amos, and oh, Rudy yeah. DeLuca, and Craig T. Nelson. Remember those guys were yes. a team? And uh, Fine and Dandy is the name of the song, by the way. Yes. 
that people <laughs> have wondered all these years. Da, 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 da. But also, uh, Barney Miller, Mod Squad, uh, uh, Bewitched, Ironside, he did a ton of TV. He was in a show. He was in Hansel. History of the World Part 1 also. He's in the we History mentioned of the World. Yes. He's Da Vinci. <laughs> he's Da Vinci, and he <laughs> says, everybody's, he says, all I have are backs. Okay, everybody on that side of the table. That's great, right. Everybody <laughs> on that side of the table. And the Police Academy of Films, he's uh, uh, Mauser. Oh, yeah. Uh, a funny guy, a brave guy. Uh, made a lot of people laugh. Brooklynite Gilbert from Bensonhurst. Yes. And uh, I think he was a Jew, even though he had an Italian name. Uh, I'm going to research that. So, you know, we find a Ooh. lot of find a lot of New Yorkers in this research. Yes. Richard, Richard yes. Donner from the Bronx, Art Matrano from Brooklyn. And raise your hand. We're going to move on to uh, one of Gilbert's favorite actors here. Uh, and somebody who's come up a lot on the podcast... And see, I'm gonna I'm gonna use your he was a Jew as a segue here, Gilbert. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you know where I'm going. Uh it was his be Yafit Koto? It would be Yafit Koto. <laughs> yes. Yafit yes. Koto was a Jew. E-I-E-I-O. <laughs> and, and he he wasn't someone who converted to Judaism. His parents raised him Jewish. That well, his father, I did the research. His father, Abraham, was a black Jew from Cameroon. Which would make a movie. That's the greatest movie title ever. <laughs> you black know, Jew from now also raise your hand if you know if you knew that Yafit Koto was born in New York City, but Jackie Mason was not. Oh wow. I Jackie didn't Mason know this. was born in Sheboygan, Wisconsin. Oh gee. <laughs> <laughs> Yafit Kodo, and, somebody we also tried to get. And, mm. Yes, and Yafit Kodo. 80, 81. Yafit Kodo's another one I name as the two Jewish Bond villains. Yes. Uh, him and Joseph Wiseman. Bye Where's bye, Braverman. Uh, Once yeah. again. Back to bye bye, Braverman. It all leads back to bye bye, Braverman. Yafit well, Kodo, great in uh, in Midnight Run, obviously. Again with Midnight Run, yes, Alonzo Mosley. And then I, I loved him on uh, uh, Homicide Life on the Streets. Me too. He was so good on that oh, show. And, and what was he in that real life story that uh, of the. Uh, Re oh, uh, Raid Re on Entebbe or, yes, or Victory yes. at Entebbe? Yeah, he was great in that. One of those. Which bye was bye his Bond Tebby. movie? I forget the name. He's, Which Bond uh, movie he's was? He's Mr. Big in Live and Let Die, the first right. Roger Moore picture. And he was in a movie I always liked called Blue Collar. That's a terrific movie. Oh, yeah. And it was him and Richard Pryor is best known uh, for fucking Marlon Brando. <laughs> Dara, can you unplug his mic? <laughs> As a public service to these people we've lost. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> when people <laughs> would watch the movie, they go, hey, who's that guy? Didn't he fuck Richard Pryor? <laughs> it's, uh, on the, it's on the laser disc. Yes. And <laughs> also the, Harvey Keitel, Harvey another Keitel. great actor. That's a terrific Paul Schrader movie. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Blue Collar, but also great in Alien. Uh, a gritty 70s movie called Across 110th Street. Yes. Recommended. Uh, uh, so funny in Midnight Run. He had three wives and six kids. Mm, interesting, geez. interesting life. And uh, was inspired to become an actor. I can't believe I'm walking into this buzzsaw again, but here I go. <laughs> was inspired to become an actor after seeing Brando. Well, he saw Brando, though, yeah. in the guest bedroom. Did he? Fucking Richard Pryor. <laughs> That's <laughs> that's the irony. It wasn't a movie. <laughs> you know, people, every year, Mike, people say, oh, I thought TCM had the most moving in memoriam. Or I, 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 I thought the Oscars had the most touching. Nope, it's right here. <laughs> I would refer our listeners back to the Paul Lynn tribute show I attempted to do several years ago. <laughs> Which turned into an entire episode about his anti-Semitism. Yes. Oh, those Jews. They're the reason I don't have a career. Beautifully done. So beautifully done. Here's a segue for you. From Homicide Life on the Street with Yafit Koto to Homicide Life on the Street with Ned Beatty.
Yes. Uh, a wonderful character actor with an mm. enormous career. Uh, and also Superman. Yeah. So this, oh, yeah. these are again, you know, bridges crossing or or or, or people connecting up. Uh, wanted a career in musical theater. He wanted to be a singer. The things you find. Carl Reiner yeah. wanted to be an opera star, which we found out on this uh, yes. on this pod, very podcast. But there you go. Um, <laughs> I'm not even going to mention Deliverance, given, the, <laughs> given, oh, <laughs> given where this conversation's been going. I I um, <laughs> just yeah. But just by skip, the way, you know, Ned Beatty that. was in. Ned Beatty was in The Toy with Richard Pryor. Oh, uh, yes, he oh. was. Very good. Very good. <laughs> Who, what's Richard Pryor been known for? <laughs> Another legendary name. <laughs> I um, In case wow. I forgot to mention it, <laughs> wow. Marlon Brando fucked Richard Pryor. <laughs> the, day, the, day I, the day I co-hosted an in-memoriam show and it turned into a roast. Yes. <laughs> Uh, I um I love the the Ned Beatty's one scene in Network. In, yeah, in a movie, we nominated for an Oscar yes. for that one. Scene. In a movie full of great scenes, there's no bad scene in that movie, and maybe that's the best scene. It's he's just oh, it, it's so good. The world is a business, Mister Beale. It has been since man crawled out of the slime. And our children will live, Mr. Beale, to see that perfect world in which there's no war or famine, oppression or brutality. One vast and ecumenical holding company for whom all men will work to serve a common in which all men will hold a share of stock, all necessities provided, all anxieties tranquilized, all boredom amused. And I have chosen you, Mr. Beale, Preach this evangel. Why me? Because you're on television, dummy. I remember I once was like a, a guest on the comedy awards, and I did this whole bit like uh, when they offered uh, Ned Beatty the part in Deliverance, did they show him page 37? And. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and and I said, did they at least offer it to Charles uh, Durning? And Charles Durning was in the audience. And he said to me afterwards, he said, I would have taken the part. I can squeal. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great anecdote. Let's point out uh, some Burt Reynolds vehicles he was in after Deliverance Network. Mike brought up great a great moment. Uh, Life and Times of Judge Roy Bean, a movie we like on, talk about on this show and talked about with Stacy Keach. Rudy, yes. very funny in a small part in Spielberg's 1941, a movie I will always defend. Dad, you're ruining Christmas. Uh, he worked with Altman, Cassavetes, Lumet. He played John Goodman's father on Roseanne. He was in Silver mm. Streak with. Never mind. Uh, <laughs> Could it have been a a comedian? <laughs> Could I'm gonna turn all the cards over uh, and say it was Richard Pryor? Okay. Who fucked Marlon Brando? All right, Wally Bruner. Uh, <laughs> we will return to Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast. But first, a word from our sponsor. Let's move to another great actor we pursued for this show. Oh, but, and Ned Beatty, I always remember he was in, I guess it was uh, maybe Cat on a Hot Tin Roof or something, and he hated both his co-stars. Did he? Yeah. I assume he was playing Big Daddy? Yeah. And not Brick? Yeah. Um, who could forget the sitcom Sisnik from the 70s? 
Yeah, I had the box set. Our listeners are shouting out, (laughs) don't forget Sisnik. Which I, I just, for some reason, I remember that Reggie Jackson guest starred on that show back in the, uh, the things that stick in your brain and and you can't pull out. Uh, Here's an actor we pursued. He was in bad health for a long time. um, And just, my God, talk about a long career. You were talking about Norman Lloyd's career. Here's a guy that made his Broadway debut at age six, uh, late great Dean Stockwell. Yeah. What an actor. He had uh, over 200 roles in movies, TV, and theater. Really just uh, started, yeah, started working at six, died at 85. And I mean, it's just unbelievable, unbelievable career. Always great. Always Always great. Uh, Oscar nominated for Married to the Mob, uh, but probably most known for for Blue Velvet and and Quantum Leap. Yeah. And and was I in a movie with him? Uh, Dean Stockwell? Was he in Beverly Hills Cop 2? Hang on, I'm looking. Dean Stockwell's in Beverly Hills Cop 2. Oh, uh, Gilbert, Gilbert, Gilbert. Let's see. Yeah. Uh-oh. Oh, Gilbert. Judge, look at that. He was Chip Kane. Yes. Wow. So I worked, in a matter of speaking. <laughs> see, see Frank's, always, Frank's always amazed when I know anything. <laughs> Especially about your own career. Yes. <laughs> Did you hang out with him at all? No, no, never met him. Mm. Yeah. Hey, what a guess he, he would have made. He was the kid in Anchors Away, which is yeah. mind-blowing. He worked with Sinatra, yeah. He worked with Liz Taylor, Gregory Peck, Sinatra, Dennis Hopper, Coppola, everybody. Here's fun trivia. Neil Young's famous album, his iconic album, After the Gold Rush, was inspired by a an unproduced Dean Stockwell script. Jeez. And I know no more on that, but I would like to do a deeper dive. He designed album covers. So did Phil Hartman, by the way. He was a sculptor. He was a very interesting guy uh, with a a lot of range. Clearly not a guy who ever took himself seriously, which I think you could see on screen. Have you heard the story? Have you heard the story of how he ended up working with David Lynch? I have not. Please, please. uh, David Lynch ran into him in Mexico. And and Lynch said to him, "I thought you were dead," and and he, he was very much not dead. And and Lynch put him in Dune, and then and then put him in Blue Velvet. There you go. I read he had dropped out of show business and was selling houses at one point. He was a, yeah. He, he was an interesting guy. He he would get bored with the business and go do something else. And uh, I have to recommend I have to recommend to listeners on on Roger Ebert's website, uh, Sheila O'Malley, who's, a, who's such a good writer. She wrote this incredible tribute essay to Dean Stockwell's career, uh, uh, and it's just it's it's magnificent. And when this when this episode posts, I'll 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 tweet it out again. But it's just if you're a fan of his work, it's just one of those tributes that makes you want to just you know go and rewatch everything Dean Stockwell's ever done. I love him in Blue Velvet, Uh, uh, Paris, Texas. Another another picture people should find. Here's a great actress um, who left us at 96, just two days after her memoir was published. The the late, great, wonderful, versatile Cicely Tyson. Oh, another uh, legend and another, another New Yorker. And another New Yorker, buddy. You got that right. She uh, uh, she won a Tony, three Emmys, and an honorary Oscar. Yes. I mean, and, and, and then like countless, countless awards from... Civil rights groups and women's groups. Yeah, and, she was an oh, activist too. She oh did my god, Obama of, gave her the the Presidential Medal of Freedom. Yes, um, yes. she won her Tony at eighty eight, which I think I think she was the, she's the oldest actor to ever win a Tony. I think that's pretty cool. That's pretty. She's the first a- African American actress to win a lead Emmy. Um, I know that. Right. Uh, one yeah, won a Tony. Yeah, she, she, several Emmys. Wonderful career. I did not know that she was married for a time to jazz legend Miles Davis. Right, oh, yeah. Did you know that, Gilbert? No. There's that some one in- I didn't. There's some interesting... Uh, she had a 65-year acting career, Think and yet that. she didn't start acting until she was 31. Think about Jeez. that. Jeez. Yeah, late bloomers. Late yeah. bloomers. And what a, what a wonderful body of work. Um, mm. uh, the heart is a lonely hunter. Sounder. I love Sounder. Sounder's turning fifty this year. Oh. Uh, uh, by the way, uh, uh, great bodies of work for all, all four of these people. Uh, what guess they would have made? I guess that goes without saying. Let's. Uh, we'll come back to some. Uh, I'm going to do a segue here. 
uh, as long as we're talking about a great actress. And this is a hard one to talk about um, because Gilbert and I got to know her just a little bit, and she did the podcast, and it's probably or arguably my favorite episode mm. uh, that we've ever done. Jessica Walter, Gil. Yeah, mm. Jessica Walters came on with... Uh, Ron Liebman. Ron, Ron Liebman. And they were, it's like when I was listening to it, I've, I've said it before, I, I thought it was like watching uh, Stiller and Mira. Yeah. Like this funny married couple with the give and take, very quick, One, each one played off the other. And it was so much fun to watch. I don't think we ever clicked with a guest uh, or two guests the way we clicked with them as quickly and and bonded with them. And it was magic. It was magic to be in that room. I have such warm memories of it. And when I listen to that episode, I laugh and I feel, uh, 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 like I said, a a warmth, a a wonderful feeling inside. But I'm sad that they're both gone. Yeah. Uh, They were great to us. Uh, Ron picked up on the vibe. You know, and he says it's still a mirror. They were they were playing different kind of roles. Ron was playing the curmudgeon, criticizing the show. Yeah, she she was saying she was saying stop that, stop that, be polite, be kind. Yeah. <laughs> and they they had this 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 thing going. She was playing the good cop to his uh, his disgruntled cop. Uh, everything you want in a podcast. Uh, I I love them instantly. I've told many times on this show what Ron said as I was walking to the elevator, and for all his bluster. Uh, I, he grabbed my sleeve at the elevator and he said, he looked at me, he said, do me a favor, never stop doing this show. And that wow. was so, so, I get choked up yeah. now thinking about it. Um, but, and, and, and a body of work between them. <laughs> Where to begin? Yeah, I, I always liked him in The Hot Rock, which is a fun movie. Also, George Siegel. Is in that. Yeah, and Paul Sand, who we had here on the show. Yes. And and she was in Bra- Bye Bye Braverman. She is. That's there right. That's so, See, it all goes go. back Once to again. Bye Bye Braverman. She could do drama. She could play a scary as hell character like and play Misty for me. Underrated. Is, think, that movie's un- great. Really underrated, um, Don Siegel. And also, uh, and she was funny as hell. And so was he, and he could move. He won the Tony for Angels in America for playing Roy Cohn. So he could move from from dra- dramedy, dra- drama, from a drama like yeah. that to 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 something as funny as the guy in the gorilla suit, the brother in law in the the brother in the yeah. gorilla suit, and uh, and where's Papa? <laughs> or 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 a uh, uh, what's the name of that movie? Uh, Super Cops. Oh, uh, that's right. Yes, yeah. that's right. Yep. Yeah. Um, uh, just a, a versatile actor. I, I, he, he joked with us that most people knew him as Rachel's father on Friends after this whole body of work yes. that he had. <laughs> and he did not take himself seriously. He let Gilbert break his balls about Mad Magazine's Up the Academy. Yes. Terrible movie. <laughs> <laughs> and Juan Tan Tan, the dog who saved Hollywood. Yes. Which he's also in. He was um, the original, uh, I think he was the original Roy Cohn on Broadway in Angels in America. He was. He and, was. And then I, she, I imagine he was great in that. Mm, I know. Yeah. I wish I could have seen it. Yeah. She obviously wound up much later in life. We're talking about late bloomers. What happened to her with Arrested Development and Archer? Uh, Arrested know. Development is she is she is Wonderful. iconic in that role. Wonderful. I mean, what they what they accomplished so much of uh, the two of them. I would have loved to have seen them do something together. She's also great in um, the Flamingo Kid. Uh, so so many uh, uh, great pieces of work. Uh, Jessica Walter from Brooklyn. Yeah. There you go. Um, and and you have any memories of that episode of listening to that episode, Mike? I mean, that that easily, like, top five episode of the show ever. I mean, it's just, it's so great hearing them together with you guys. It's, I, I, I don't, I want to go re-listen to it now. I just remember it being like. It was the sweetest. Just, Ron's, Ron's they, from New York. Ron's from New York, too. Let's not they, forget they to point that They were the kind of guests where you go, well, we can just sit back and let them take over. They yeah, got no. up and sang us a song and danced at the yes, end. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Is this the end of the show? Mm-hmm. I want to end yes. on a positive yes. note here. End on an with the song. I have learned more about acting from Ron Liebman than I did from any acting teacher or any any experience that I've ever had on stage. Wow. That I will tell you. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay, now I'm going to wrap up this show, and I want you to sing that song you started singing. <laughs> 
Which, which one? song? Which, you know, Goodbye. The Breakfast for... Club again? No, no. no. Oh, the oh other it was yeah. it's from t- television. So long for, for a while. That's, that's all the songs for a while. Your hit parade. So long from your hit parade. And the songs that you pick to be played. So long. Lucky Strike means five tobacco. Well, this is. Goodbye, everybody. Nice to see you in the television show. <laughs> Very good. He's very funny. So we're going to put a pause on things right there, folks, because there were so many deserving artists that we wanted to honor and pay tribute to. Uh, this year that we we didn't want to rush through it. So we'll call this part one. Part two will be next week as we remember some of our favorite character actors and giants like Betty White and Stephen Sondheim as well as uh, a few podcast guests that we lost, unfortunately, and uh, even one or two friends that we'll miss dearly. So part two of our annual In Memoriam show next week. Until then, much love from us. Stay safe and... uh, Please keep these great entertainers in your minds and uh, in your hearts.